0: Good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care.
1: And a jolly good morning to you. I'm Kathy Kayla. Thank you so much for choosing to join me here on 101.9 High FM. So. A big part, you know, when, when we go out into public, the first part of us that people see is our skin. And that's even if you're on Zoom. And, uh, you know, we know that the damage done during childhood is what comes out later in life When it's actually too late to really do anything about it But is it really too late to do anything about it Aside from the the sun damage There are new technologies all the time in skincare. One of them is microneedling There's uh, something called, I think it's called sha. I think that's how you say it Guasha. Um There is looking at you know, lip scrubs and all these kinds of things that, <laughs> you know, for, for some reason we want to look younger. Of course, we want to look more appealing for our partners, whether you're male or female, right? But uh, just looking at what is hy- hyaluronic acid? What does that actually mean? And uh, why is that? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Are there side effects? Are there things that you have to take care of if you're using that? What is retinol? What is niacinamide? All of these questions, by the end of this hour, you will have the answer to all of them and you can then make your educated decision from that. Joining me is uh, somebody who is no stranger to Diskem Medical Monday. We've had him on many, many times. Unfortunately, not a lot over the last two and a half years, but uh, I'm very, very pleased to welcome Dr. Irshad Mohammed Esak. He is a healthcare practitioner. He specializes as a dermatologist and he is a great friend of the Diskem Medical Monday. How are you?
0: I'm fine. How are you, Kathy? I haven't seen you in a long time. It's been
1: way too long. And, you know, this pandemic actually stole time from all of us. On one absolutely. hand, it feels like yesterday. On the other hand, it feels like a decade ago that you and I last spoke. Absolutely.
0: And absolutely. You,
1: anyway, you are looking very well. And thank you so much for the time to, uh, to chat about skincare, the latest technologies, and just to help us unpack and understand the different terms and what the different treatments are. So, uh, can we start, I think, um, looking at maybe microsurgeries? And I've heard about microneedling. What is microneedling?
0: Microneedling is a, is a concept whereby you are using small, fine surgical needles that are inserted almost vertically into the skin in order to stimulate the skin. It is a form of mechanical injury but it's a controlled form mechanic, of mechanical engineering. So when you have these needles that are inserted into the skin, they actually pass through the outer layer of the skin and they enter into the dermis, which is the second layer of the skin. And this second layer of the skin is responsible for the health and the, and the well-being of your outer layer of the skin. Okay. These needles are, depending on the device that is being used, these needles are placed at, at a few millimeters apart that you have in between the areas where the needles have been inserted, you have areas of skin that have not been affected. And those areas where the skin has not been affected is then responsible for rejuvenating the skin from the injury where the needles were affected. So in the dermis, you have a very important cell type called the fibroblast. And the fibroblast is responsible for produ- producing many things, including your collagen, which provides strength to the skin, including providing elastin, which provides elasticity to the skin. And the collagen is responsible for the strength so that you can withstand the shearing forces of day-to-day living. So walking around bare feet, your soul doesn't slough off. But you also want elasticity so that your skin can drape over the underlying bony structures. And for example, on the face, because we are animated and the skin is dynamic, you want your skin to be able to stretch to a certain extent. But too much stretching also looks a little bit tacky and uh, elephantine in some some instances. Mm-hmm. So the fibroblast are responsible for producing collagen for strength, elastin for elasticity. But they're also responsible for pro- pro- producing a whole host of other things, including, and I heard you mentioned earlier, hyaluronic acid and other proteins in the second layer of the skin. And that also is what provides you with the volume. So when you injure the skin, the skin goes into a reparative mode. And when it goes into the reparative mode, collagen is being produced and so is more hyaluronic acid. And that is part of the mechanism by which microneedling works in an anti-aging scenario. What microneedling also does is it also may produce a certain amount of inflammation because it's a mechanical injury. And with that inflammation, you then get inflammatory cells that then arrive and say, for example, in the context of pigmentation, you then have macrophages that arrive and then try to gobble up the pieces of pigment bits that are lying around the dermis and thereby can also assist with pigmentation. In the situation uh, whereby you have, in the anti-aging scenario, it begins to tighten up the skin, improve filings and wrinkles by stimulating hyaluronic acid uh, production, you end up having volumizing of the skin, thickening of the dermis, and overall your epidermis and your skin tends to drape better over, over the, 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 the treated area. So microneedling is a concept, and there are different devices that are currently on the market, some for home use, which obviously would, would be something you could be able to buy over the counter, not really penetrant because The needles are fairly shallow because I wouldn't expect you to be using a local anesthetic at home to be doing microneedling on yourself. So I grade those as the so-called cosmetic-grade microneedling devices. Then you have what I classify as the medical grade, which is the ones you would do in office or in rooms, uh, usually uh, under the supervision of a GP or a dermatologist or even a plastic surgeon. And these treatments here are done under local anesthetic because the needles are longer, they are more penetrant, they are expected to hurt. And then you have those that you can use in a surgical context, and usually these would be the plastic surgeons who, when they're doing, for example, a minimally invasive um, face lift or something of that sort, patients under general anesthetic in theater, while the patient is there, you could use longer needles uh, in a more sterile environment in theater, and needle the patient and uh, before the patient is brought out of anesthetic in theater, They go off to recovery with a little um, mask or a a dressing over the face. So you have the cosmetic ones that you can use at home. You can have those that are medical, which would use in room with a registered practitioner. And then you have those that you could use in a surgical environment as well. And uh, the differences obviously would be the depth of penetration. Then you have those devices okay, that are just diff- be, just
1: before we go on Dr Dr Esak, I've got so many questions about about this can I just ask that we pause and then before we go on to sure. the other different types of microneedling okay so firstly what would distinguish what type of microneedling one would opt for because I mean there right. is a vast difference between doing a little treatment at home versus doing it in your doctor's rooms under local anesthetic versus going under general anesthetic into the theatre. Which sounds a little extreme Absolutely. actually. Just saying.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> the, the, your decision regarding the depth of needling will depend upon what are you trying to treat. Where is your pathology? If your pathology or if your problem is mainly a one of the epidermis or superficial, you could get away with a, with, a, with a cosmetic roller. For example, fine lines and wrinkles, a bit of sallowness of the skin, brighten up the skin, uh, tighten up the skin a little bit. You could do that with a cosmetic roller. When you start looking at de- dealing with problems that are occurring in the mid to deep dermis, you're going to need a medical roller. For example, you want to treat acne, acne scars, surgical scars you want to uh, improve. For example, cesarean section scars you want to improve. Uh, and then obviously when it comes to your deep needling, uh, you're looking at trying to treat areas in the lower part of the dermis to the uh, part of the paniculus, which is the fat layer. And that's where you would basically go for a surgical treatment. So it's important that, one, your micro-needling devices or treatments are not a one-size-fits-all. Two, it is important for the person who is treating you to understand what are they treating and what is the level of that pathology. Because if I'm trying to treat a deep surgical scar, I'm wasting my time with a cosmetic roller, which you can buy over the counter. I'm not going to be able to reach the area that requires treatment. And that's the reason why who is treating you? It's important to know, it's important for them to know what are they trying to treat.
1: Is there anything on the needles when they go in or are they just sterile needles?
0: To my knowledge, all of the products that when you open them up, they come in sterile packaging. Obviously, we don't usually recommend that needles get reused. Yeah. Uh, there are certain, certain, uh, for, even on the same patient because the needles need to be, need to, would need to be stored in, in a particular environment such that they don't encourage bacterial growth and that type of thing. There are certain types of needles or needling devices that you could insert into a surgical grade sterilizer. But in my practice, uh, I only use it, uh, a device that has got a disposable needle for single use.
1: Okay, so I was uh, actually just asking, you know, the needles aren't actually injecting anything. They're literally just doing a mechanical injury to your skin. It's not like, they, the they, d- like they are injecting collagen or elastin as they're, no. as you're microneedling.
0: Now, when you're microneedling, you are basically creating these little channels through the skin. But you can add to the... So that in itself has got benefits. But when you're treating, for example, a patient with uh, hair loss, for example, with needling, you may want to add a serum that has got growth peptides in it and needle through the serum. So as you create the channels, you are now making it easier for your serum to penetrate. So yes, in practice, you can add a whole host of serums as well when you are needling in order for you to enhance the penetration of that particular uh, item, and you can therefore increase the efficacy of that particular treatment. So you can do needling on its own, or you can add a serum to the needling process, or as part of the needling process.
1: I'm Kathy Kayla. This is the Dischem Medical Monday My very special guest today And uh, no stranger To Ghaifem And certainly no stranger To Diskem Medical Monday Is Dr. Irshad Muhammad Essak. He's a healthcare practitioner He specializes as a dermatologist And uh, you can just hear He knows what he's talking about If you have any questions About microneedling About aging About technologies That are being used To, to counter the effects of aging Or perhaps you've got scars Perhaps you've got sunspots you know we're going to be talking about all of that so uh, just drop me a question drop me your question and I will pose it to Dr. Esak and uh, the number is 34519 that is the SMS line in studio you can also send me a telegram on 061-895-1019. I'm Kathy Kale and This is Diskem Medical Monday. Coming back, I'm going to be talking about if you have a problem with scarring and keloids, right? So uh, a tiny little, I don't know, scars can become keloid where they actually, they grow out of the skin and they become very, very obvious. I want to find out if you can still have microneedling if your scars become keloid. That's right after this.
0: This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care.
1: I'm Kathy Kayla, and this is Discam Medical Monday. And my guest this morning is Dr. Ishad Muhammad Esak. He's a healthcare practitioner. He specializes as a dermatologist. And we're talking about skin care, but not in terms of looking after your skin with the sun. We're looking at different ways that you can counter the effects of aging because you know what? who doesn't want to look good as well as living to 120 right (laughs) so my question was if somebody has a condition where their scars become keloid that is where a scar is raised above the skin it could have been just something small but it's it's a condition some people's scars become keloid not all not all people have it, but can you still have microneedling if you, if your scars do become keloid?
0: A, a keloid essentially occurs when the skin doesn't know when to stop producing collagen within a scar. And usually it is the bad type of collagen that is produced or overproduced in that particular scar, giving the keloid more of a speed bump or a protruded look over the skin. Now, generally speaking, The prognosis from keloids is relatively poor. And I say that because in the past, there's been tons of of uh, modalities of treatment that have been tried, but many with very limited positive results. Microneedling can be used in keloidal scars. And you can um, treat the keloid. The important thing is to work out whether the scar is more localized or it's a very large scar. If it is more localized, you'll probably give it a bash with, with something like, uh, like microneedling. Um you may want to use microneedling alone. You can combine microneedling with other topical items. So for example, you could use microneedling together with a topical steroid. Microneedling with certain drugs that reduce the pace at which cells divide. So certain types of topical Chemotherapy drugs can also be used in conjunction with microneedling. You could use microneedling after having a surgical excision for a for a keloid scar. So you can surgically remove it first. You now formed yourself a new scar, and now you try to influence and control how that new secondary scar heals. And one way to do that is to microneedle over the new surgical scar. So microneedling can be used uh, with a lot of circumspection in the treatment of keloids or hypertrophic scars
1: that's absolutely fascinating I mean this could be you know for people with serious facial scars or scars that are visible that you can't hide from you know with clothing I think that that's keloidal scars from
0: from acne do very very well
1: really that's amazing do very very
0: well
1: would you just need one treatment or
0: is it a course usually I tell patients budget for about five to six treatments. Um, Some patients I've noticed in my practice generally tend to provide a positive feedback by about treatment three or four. But on average, you're looking at five or six, and you'll have the odd odd patients uh, who's a bit more stubborn in response may require seven or eight treatments. And then I tell patients, should you want to continue improving the quality of your skin, you can then continue doing treatments but you don't have to do them on a monthly basis. You can space them out maybe two or three a year, two or three weeks before your your birthday or before Christmas or whatever, giving yourself enough time to heal, and that will keep your skin in good stead uh, going forward. But it does vary because everyone's skin is of a different thickness. Everyone's keloids are of a different entanglement in, ter- in terms of the how tightly knotted the content within that scar actually is, and you need to break that down. Uh, and whether the patient is using any other adjuvant or additional therapy in between the uh, microneedling treatments. So, yes, microneedling can be used. You could even inject those areas. Radiotherapy, together with surgery, can also be used for keloidal scars. So, there are many modalities out there. What we do consider is site of the, of the keloids, what is the area requiring to be treated, budget of the patient, what has been tried before, and obviously um depth of the of the of, of the sky itself uh so all that put together we probably formulate a treatment plan for the patient and say these are going to be your best options this is what the costs involved are going to be and then we go ahead and start the treat
1: okay Dr Isak, there's a message coming through from Jenny she wants to know what can be done about broken veins on her face and her feet
0: right My, uh, micro well since you're we talking about microneedling yes. microneedling can may be used for broken veins. Um, the the rationale behind the use of microneedling is because it is an, an in, a minimally invasive treatment, when you're doing microneedling, you are going to injure through those vessels. When you injure through those vessels, you're going to cause the vessel to go into a spasm. When the vessel goes into a spasm, it is more likely to want to shut down. In that healing process, you're going to end up with fibrous tissue trying to replace the vessel. I'm talking about very, very small vessels. And in the fibrous tissue replacing the vessel, the vein appearance basically goes away. Larger vessels may require sclerotherapy, where we inject those vessels with a sclerosing or a blocking or a clotting agent, Uh, for example, uh, a type of alcohol, which will chemically irritate the vessel and cause the vessel to shut down. So microneedling on the one hand will be a mechanical irritation causing the vessel to go into spasm, whereas if you inject a sclerosing agent, it causes a chemical irritation for the vessel to shut down. Oh, so there's two so, different things that that she's got. She's got these two options now. Amazing. And you have other foaming agents that will expand within the vessel and block the vessel. So downstream from where you injected, there's no blood flow. You don't see the vessel. So, So sclerotherapy... Many of my colleagues are keen on doing these during the winter time because the aftercare is very, very important. It's quite diligent dressings that go circumferentially are, uh, over the limb, feel a bit claustrophobic and hot. <clears throat> so they will usually advise patients to do this during the winter period and vessel sizes are a lot smaller during winter because it's a lot colder. In certain instances, some people will use, for example, uh, a vascular laser. Especially if the vessel that we're referring to is of an arterial type, vascular laser actually work, works uh, works very well. So an Nd:YAG laser or a KTP laser can be done. What do you mean by so arterial arterial so vessels type? on the skin? Vessels on the skin will basically be of two different types. So venous, which are draining bad, uh, mm. not bad. And uh, away from an area yeah. and, arterial, and arteries will basically bring in good oxygen supply and nutrients to the area. So sometimes you have an enlarged artery, for example, something like a spider nevus. It's a little artery that comes up to the top of the skin and gives off branches so from the top view, it appears like a little spider on the skin, like a radiating spider. There you can treat with cauterization. So you can inject and burn the feeding vessel and the rest of the lesion basically goes away. So that's using a thermal or a heat injury. You can use laser, whereby you can you can uh, um, bruise the vessel, so again cause it to go into spasm, and hopefully with with the subsequent spasm the vessel shuts down and remains shut down. So you can use lasers, you can use cauterization, you can use microneedling, you can use sclerotherapy. Hmm. But again, patients need to be properly assessed to see what type of vessel it is. What's the caliber of the vessel? How, how wide or big is, uh, big it is? And obviously the site of the treatment. And those are things we can offer, offer patients for enlarged vessels on the, on the, on the skin.
1: It's absolutely fascinating. It's completely fascinating. Um, so when we're talking about veins, and this is just going back to Jenny's question, is there, I mean, is there anything that can be done about varicose veins? Would you use the same sort of uh, assessment as well, that you could now, tr- treat varicose veins with microneedling?
0: Now, varicosities are an extension of what I was just discussing, yes. whereby you have chronic venous, chronic venous insufficiency. In varicose veins or varicosities, your problem is a lot more deeper. It is usually the deep vein system that supplies or connects to the superficial vein system. And in the deep vein system, you have valves, usually in the lower limb, that are spaced about ten centimeters more or less apart. When one of the valves becomes defective, the the blood is not being supported by that valve. So that the valve below it is now subtending or supporting that entire column of blood. So the subsequent vest of valve underneath also becomes defective and stretched and then becomes a progressive disorder for varicosities your your options for microneedling is not going to work well for that you are going to need to have those valves addressed and some of the options are sclerotherapy will will certainly be one of the non surgical options and then another option would be a uh, a vascular surgeon who can do laser therapy within the vessel itself, or they may decide if the problem is too severe, people may talk about something like vein stripping or a Trendelenburg operation, whereby they remove the defect, the, the defective vessel completely and the body then basically begins to form collateral or alternative vessels in order to drain the area. So varicons are a lot more complicated and usually in-room procedures not to work, compression stockings are a good idea, limb elevation are a good idea, regular exercise and walking, and I'm not talking about busy walking where you're walking from your bedroom to your kitchen or from uh, from your desk to the reception uh, to your uh, to your office back again, I'm talking about regular walking whereby you're getting your heart rate up 15-20 minutes or so in order for the muscles around your calf to act as an an, an auxiliary pump to drain the area and those are all the, the adjunctive or supportive therapies you can use to assist you in the case of varicosities. But in severe cases where the varicosities are resulting in poor such poor blood flow that the patients are getting non-healing ulcers, difficult to graft these areas. Hmm. Because that areas compromised from an oxygen point of view. So sticking skin on top of that, the graft is not going to hold. You have to address the underlying blood supply in the area. And usually vascular surgeons or general surgeons tend to want to intervene to resolve those, idea, uh, those problems. But microneedling tends to work poorly for varicose things.
1: Okay. So how does microneedling work for people with diabetes? People with diabetes have, um, very bad circulation from yes. the feet, like generally around, around the body. Um, so you, how would microneedling work for somebody with diabetes?
0: Right. Diabetes does cause, in the long term, especially polar-controlled diabetes, diabetes control causes a vasculopathy, a pathology of the vessels. And diabetes would cause two types, broadly speaking, of vasculopathies, small vessel and large vessel. Example of, of larger vessels, for example, would be uh, your kidney arteries, or the arteries that supply the heart or the arteries that supply the brain, either giving you chronic renal disease or a heart attack or a stroke, larger vessels. But diabetes also causes small vessel involvement as well. So the small vessels that supply the back of the eye and the retina. Okay? So similarly, the vessels of the skin can also be involved. So that's one of the reasons why diabetics heal poorly, even after minor trauma or after surgery. Apart from the fact that the diabetes influences the cells that, that are part of the healing process, diabetes also affect the vessels that are supplying nutrients and oxygen that is required for the healing process. So you could microneedle, for example, over, over uh, the edge of an ulcer or microneedle over an area that's becoming dusky because of poor vessel um, uh, blood supply in that area in order to improve the blood supply through, through that particular area. So you can use microneedling in that particular instance, but what you are actually doing is you are treating the skin, which is supplied by the vessels, rather than treating the vessels themselves. Okay, very good. It's difference, but 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 your aim is to treat the skin in order to improve the blood supply in the area.
1: You mentioned... In the first uh, in the, Well earlier On the medical yeah. Monday That microneedling can be used To treat pigmentation Would you consider sunspots And aging spots On your hands and your arms As, uh, as pigmentation Could it be used to treat that? Because often, you know, I've seen, you, you look at these photos of celebrities and their faces look beautiful and they, you know, they're four or five surgeries down the road. But the minute you see their hands, you can tell their
0: age. I think what you're referring to mainly is something called a solar lentigo. Singular solar lentigenes plural. These are commonly referred to as those brown spots or aging spots. The nice thing about microneedling is is that you can use it to treat the area. What it does is it improves the the underlying collagen. It improves the underlying quality of the dermis. And like I said earlier, that will then improve the quality of the overlying epidermis, which is where this particular lentigo is. So, yes, a solar lentigo is a pigmentation type of disorder, usually brought on by the sunlight also compounded by the fact that we age but certainly microneedling on the dorsa of the hands even up to the forearms as well can certainly improve a solar lentigines if you're talking about sunspots in the case as in the case of pre skin cancers oh no I wasn't referring to that I was referring to then, aging spots micro yeah. microneedling then microneedling itself wouldn't be a reasonable solitary treatment however there have been many colleagues of mine who've used microneedling to prepare an area, so create channels to the area, and then apply a chemotherapy cream over that area because the microneedling then allowed better penetration of the chemotherapy cream. So the microneedling is used more as a prep for a chemotherapy cream rather than a treatment itself with the intention that the amount of cream is, that is used is less and the duration of the protocol is shorter which means downtime is, is shorter as well. So we are using the microneedling to manipulate the skin in order to prepare it for a treatment a little bit later.
1: Let's talk a little bit about taking collagen internally. This seems to be all the trend, right? And I, and I actually picked up a bottle of collagen that was promising, you know, this is the fountain of youth kind of uh, story and it's apparently it's a powder and I cl- Picked it up to look and it seems to be some of it is from fish collagen and some of it is from beef hooves or something. I don't know. And I just thought, sorry, just not worth it for me. (laughs) I'm, yeah, I'm cheap like that.
0: (laughs) What's your thought? Collagens, collagens are, collagens are, are not really new, new in the, in the anti-aging scene. It's just that the products have become a lot more, for lack of a better term, refined. There have been people for many, many ages that have been, for example, and this might, might grow some of your listeners out, uh, who eat bone marrow. Uh, for example, a cooked, uh. No, you leg can make a leg stew, leg stew with marrow bones or you can whatever. make soup, yes. That, that is where the collagen actually is, okay? Uh, you'd find older generation people would, would cut through there and chew on it. Now you are absolutely correct that currently in the market there are predominantly two types of collagen, two sources of collagen: bovine and uh, and marine. Uh, marine tends to be a little bit cheaper gram for gram. However, there are marine products out there that tend to discourage people because of its fishy smell. Quite difficult to mask in a in a in a tea or a coffee or a or a or a they're just sprinkling, sprinkling it on uh, but, but uh, marine collagens do work as well bovine collagens have got a better structure to them They've, and the structure is a lot better to what our collagens are like you can buy and most of them are hydrolyzed so they, it, it, it is in this evaporated powder form uh, you can get collagens on their own uh, you can get collagens that are fortified so different companies are adding different items to their, to their mix uh, ranging from vitamin C's to vitamin D's to some peptides in some of them as well. Uh, some of them are adding um, anti-pigmentation products into their collagens as well. Uh, so if you've got pigmentation and are worried about anti-aging, you can take one particular product. So different companies have got different formulations, varying in prices depending on what has been added to it. Certainly has got its its benefits. Um, in patients who are having anti-aging treatments like chemical peels, uh, microneedling, uh, fractionated photothermal laser, threads, biostimulators, a collagen will certainly be of, of advantageous because you're also wanting to stimulate the body to produce its own collagen. So having an exogenous source of collagen coming on board will certainly be of an advantage to patients. The other thing about collagens is that I've noticed in my practices uh, with the products that I've used, I get patients to come and report that their hair volume and growth improves and so do does their nails uh, because those building blocks in the collagen are certainly important in hair and nail growth as well.
1: Do we run out of collagen as we
0: age? We shouldn't, but what should happen is that we've got to find mechanisms by which to continue stimulating the body to produce collagen. You'll notice that for many, many decades... There have been many products out there in, in pharmacies, over the counter, that have been used, uh, f- a- a- um, to generate or regenerate, uh, uh, diseased or worn out cartilage. So for knees, hips, uh, this is basically a different type of collagen that's being used, uh, to be de- delivered to the skin itself.
1: I'm Kathy Kayla. This is Diskim Medical Monday. My fabulous guest this morning is Dr. Irshad Muhammad Essak. He's a healthcare practitioner specializing as a dermatologist. You can hear how open he is, how generous he is with sharing of his knowledge. And if you've got any questions about anti-aging treatments, about collagen, about microneedling, about something that you want treated... You let us know. We've got about uh, 10 minutes left to do that. And here's how you get in touch. 34519. That is the text line. Those SMSs are charged at one round 50 Alternatively, you can send me a text on Telegram if you have the app. And that number is 61 This is Diskem Medical Monday. I've got a question for... Dr. Esak and that is about the risks of microneedling and we'll, he's going to answer that right after this.
0: This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. I'm
1: Cathy Kayla. Thank you so much for joining me. If you've just joined me, where have you been? We've been talking about anti-aging and countering the effects of anti-aging. My guest is Dr. Irshad Mohamed Esak. He's a healthcare practitioner specializing as a dermatologist. We've been speaking about microneedling because it seems to be all the rage at the moment. Every everybody is having microneedling apparently. So I wanted to find out a little bit more about it. But uh, I want to talk about the risks of microneedling, because obviously there are three different types of microneedling. The one is over-the-counter microneedling roller that you can buy, Uh, you would do it yourself. The second is you go into a doctor's room, such as Dr. Essex's rooms, and he would then um, administer a local local anesthetic to the area, and he would then do the microneedling there. The third type is when you need deep needling and that is when you actually go into hospital and you go under general anaesthetic to have it done. Um, so what are the risks, Dr. Isak?
0: I think the biggest risk when it comes to microneedling is the person using it or the, or, or the practitioner themselves. I think it is important that whoever has microneedling done Has it done with somebody who knows what they are doing? And like I explained earlier, because there's such a variety of devices that can be used at different depths, and the most important is knowing where the problem is. Because, for example, you would find some people may see microneedling as a one-size-fits-all. If you're going to go off and get yourself a cosmetic microneedling device from a local pharmacy, and try to t- treat a deep-set keloid, you're probably gonna end up failing, become disgruntled, and you're gonna end up trying to do all sorts of fancy techniques, which is then gonna, gonna, dis, gonna dis, uh, um, damage the skin even further. So I think somebody needs to understand or someone needs to tell you or advise you after a consultation what is gonna be the option for you, and what should be your best depth of needling? That's the first problem. The second problem is coming to people who are having micro-needling done, for example, with practitioners who should not be dabbling in anesthetics. Uh, there are people who are applying these anesthetics or even injecting them in some instances when they are not actually trained or authorized to do so and that turns out being a problem. The other things about microneedling is that microneedling ideally should not be done within the bony orbit of the eye. I have seen patients who end up with these panda eyes or raccoon eyes uh, after having severe bruising in that particular area. I'm not sure what drives the phenomenon of having it done in that area because you have the the globe of the eye right underneath and vibrations in that area is not good for the globe itself. You can cause retinal detachments in some instances, but more commonly you'll end up with a panda eye or a raccoon eye, which is severe bruising. And I have seen patients where the bruising doesn't settle, resulting in a more permanent post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, which you've now gone from a, a, a medical uh, or rather a cosmetic need to treat the area to a medical need now to treat a cosmetic problem. Yeah. So Microneedling, if done with a trained person, with the correct devices, under the correct circumstances, is relatively safe to do. And that's the reason why we use it so much in practice. It's a very versatile treatment, but I think there are a few cowboys out there. Make sure that you're not in the hands of one of them.
1: Oh, listen, I mean, I I received a pamphlet the other day, you know, we'll sort out your lover who (laughs) went away. You know, penis enlargement, bring back lover, get a new job and microneedling. I mean, that's, you know, it's
0: very scary. That should that give, give you an idea <laughs> about the, the quality of, of, of the consultation you're going to be having with them. Right. And remember, you've got to, you, uh, when you are deciding on who's going to have microneedling, when dermatologists, plastic surgeons, general practitioners do a consultation with you, Uh, We are taking the medical aspect behind it first into consideration and then looking at the enhancement aspect thereafter. There are patients who walk into my practice and suggest I want microneedling. And when I ask them why, well, you're doing it for my friend, but your two circumstances aren't the same. Yes, we'll get to your microneedling, but you need to sort out pathology first. So in my practice, I deal with the problem first then deal with the complications of that problem, and then go towards enhancement. Right. Then strategize for the patient, this is the order in which we should be tackling things. There's no in pain painting the house if the house is still on fire.
1: Right. Good point. Good point. Very good point. Um, a message has come through. says uh, It's unsigned. says, what's the best way to reverse sun damage on your chest as a woman?
0: Maybe I should go one step. Before that, yeah. you shouldn't be allowing the sun damage on your decollete on in the first place. And as we've discussed on many of your shows before, sunscreen is what you should be applying to begin with on a daily basis. But now that we have the damage that may be cumulative over the years, there's many things you can do. You could do microneedling, for example. You could do chemical peels, for example. You could do each of them separately or in combination, alternating. The new trend is biostimulators. Biostimulators are where we would inject in in the dermis itself uh, certain types of chemicals or fluids that tend to stimulate the fibroblasts in the dermis to start producing collagen and 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 hyaluronic acid naturally. So use your body's natural mechanisms to stimulate that. So we do them here in the decollete area as well, including the face, inferior aspect of the arms. Buttock area, thigh area, in some instances over the knees as well. So, biostimulators are something that's now also being 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 touted around.
1: Okay, we we uh, need to do a whole show on bio stimulators. We need to, we need got to do got my show attention. On that.
0: <laughs> you could you could do you could do threads. You could do um uh, you could insert threads into the area as well. That could that could also lift the the the, the skin, and the thread material itself is also a biostimulator. You could also do fractionated photothermalized laser uh, on the on the on the on the as well. All of these, whether used alone or in conjunction with other, other procedures, are responsible for improving the overall dem- uh, the damage the, the that has been done by the sunlight over the years. You could apply tropical retinoids or retinol. So retinoids are, are commonly used in the anti-aging scene. Certain concentrations are relatively low and that would be used in cosmetic items. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when you have them at higher concentrations, they do require a prescription, which you can get from a GB, dermatologist, plastic surgeon. At higher concentrations, obviously, the retinoids are a lot more effective, but they do come with a list of side effects like dryness, irritation, stinging, burning. uh, And apparently you can't
1: have children. You you can't fall pregnant (sighs) within a certain (sighs) amount of time, right? Technically speaking,
0: retinoids... Should not be used during breastfeeding, and if you want to conceive, if your family is complete, and usually the profile of the patient will come asking for these type of treatments uh, is one whose family is already complete, uh, or is uh, using a contraceptive. So, yes, theoretically the 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 the, the trans epidermal and dermal, so through the skin absorption of retinoids is relatively negligible or minimal, but I wouldn't want a family member to be a retinoid wanting to conceive. Okay. Whether it's op- whether it's topical. So uh, as a general rule, if the retinoid is in play then the patient must not be wanting to get pregnant.
1: I'm looking at the time. I don't want to let you go, but we are completely out of time. We haven't even we haven't even discussed skin peels and chemical peels. And please, we have to get you back within the next few weeks to talk about Absolutely. skin peels. And who doesn't want to look love lovely for their partners, right? Men you're, and You're women. talking about
0: you're talking about that about that uh, just now. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look lovely. There's nothing wrong with wanting to age gracefully. It's not, not a quest of, of, of the new generation of, of mankind. We've been wanting to do this from the time of the, of the Egyptians going, going back. There's always, there's always been a quest for youth or a youthful appearance. So these concepts, or rather the, 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 the design hasn't changed. It's just that our tools in our toolbox have changed. So there's nothing wrong with it. Well, let's explore with them, it? right? Responsibly. Yes, and let's
1: explore them. It has been an absolute Absolutely. privilege, a joy to be speaking to you again. And... uh we will get you back in the near future. Dr. Ishad Mohammed Essak, he's a healthcare practitioner specializing as a dermatologist and uh, just talking about microneedling. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, we, we wanted to speak about so many other topics. We just didn't get there. And um, all right, one of our listeners, Yvonne, she's messaging. She says, morning, Kathy, they're now do Dixel. What is Dixel? Do you know what Dixel is? D-I-X-C-I-L. To which there's hardly any feeling when they do it and within about four to five days you hardly look like you've had any procedure done. As in microneedling you're left with loads of minute spore sized deep red spots which you have to wait until they dry and eventually start falling off. Then it takes time for the little spots to fade away. That's from Yvonne. Thank you so much Yvonne. So, uh, Dixel, is it called Dixel? It-
0: uh, it probably is a is a type of treatment or a or a trade name for a treatment which I'm not familiar with. Yes. Okay. Uh, it it, uh, uh, it sounds as if there's some sort of penetrant treatment. Here, but it sounds like it is it is a needle involved. It's not as penetrant as a micro-needling treatment. Therefore, your downtime is a lot a lot easier. So I'm not familiar with this particular treatment or this particular. Uh, it could, it, it could be a
1: typo, because when I Googled Dixel, it says it's a high performance brake pad, and <laughs>
0: I'm sure it's not. I don't think, I don't think, <laughs> I, I don't think that applying brake pads are gonna, uh, are going to, uh, put the brakes on your, on your issues. Uh, but maybe there's something that's new in the market <laughs> in trial that I'm, I'm unaware of, but I'll probably check, sure uh, get back to you in our next session.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, that's where we're going to leave it this week, but we've definitely got to talk about skin peels i want to learn more about these biostimulators i want to find out about Absolutely. the hyaluronic acid and the niacinamides and all of that stuff so uh, dr Eshan Mohammed i thank you very very much for your time this morning god bless be well take care Bye bye and uh, that is where I love and leave you. I will be back next week with Diskim Medical Monday. My name is Kathy Kayla, and I hope that you are more educated about micro needling. It's an it absolutely fascinating. It's a whole new world. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, be good to yourself. Be good to others. God bless. Bye.